0: We continue our study in the book of Ephesians, we are coming to, we're going to look at uh, chapter four, we're going to focus all of our attention today on verse 23, and we're going to be turning to lots of other passages of scripture as well, so be ready to, to move your Bible around a little bit. Let's pray together. Father, we recognize that this Bible is dramatically different than any other book we've ever read, And as we have read it in our lives, we have experienced its power. We have experienced its incredible wisdom and we've been amazed at the story that it tells of your son. And Father, our faith has come by hearing your word. And so we ask that you'll please strengthen our faith now and grow us in holiness and help us that we could just understand what you want for us in this text because we know you want good for us. We know you want good. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Is there any way to get rid of that echo? I know you're working on it. (laughs) I could use this mic if you want. does make me feel big. Whoa. Is that better? Good. Okay. <laughs> All right. The gospel focuses us on our hearts often, on our hearts. Do you have a new heart? Has God worked in your heart? Has your heart changed? And, and that's right. We should. We should focus and think of our heart. But sometimes we tend to not give enough, enough attention to our minds and we definitely don't give an, as much attention to our minds as part of the spiritual life as the Bible does. There's a sense in which your mind is almost the initial avenue by which your heart is affected and changed. And your heart can actually, and it's, a, it's, it's kind of moving back and forth, your heart can actually, the direction and, and, and focus of your heart can affect the way you think. And and so, there's this thing that goes on between the heart and the mind. But the mind is very important. The mind is very important. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, please, I'm not looking at intellectualism or being intellectual. This This doesn't have anything to do with smart, okay? In fact, Paul, we just read 1 Corinthians, and in 1 Corinthians it says that God resists the proud, as it were. It doesn't say in that, but it's saying this. God has said to the intellectual, wise scholar of this world, you're not going to find me in your wisdom. You're going to find me through the foolishness of the cross. I've determined no man finds me. I find them. And that's, so we're not talking about intellectualism here, but we are talking about the place of the mind in our overall growing in holiness. And so let's look at the, I'm going to read the text and I want you to look at the place of the mind or thinking or knowledge or such in this text that we have before us. Now we're in Ephesians 4 and before I read our text, which starts at 17, in verse 11 it says this, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, some to be evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. I want you just to notice that all of those gifts that Paul focuses on in this passage are teaching gifts are those that that give knowledge to the mind, okay? Now, notice what he says in verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify to the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance That is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him the truth as it is in Jesus. Now, I'm obviously highlighting all of these mind taught learning truth uh, passages that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which is growing corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We're going to focus on this verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Well, what does that mean? How does that work? Well, let's take a close look at the text first. Whenever you're studying the Bible, it's good to take a close look at the text. You say, well, this is a short one. There's not much in here. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is this text actually saying? What is it saying? Now, first of all, notice this. It says, be renewed, be renewed. Now, it doesn't say renew your mind. It says be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You say, well, what's that? Well, get ready. I, I, I hate to use this phrase, but get ready. Let's have a little English lesson here, okay? I know, I know, I know. I hear the groans. Uh, but nevertheless, grammar actually helps us to see some things here. This verb is what is called a present passive imperative, okay? Present you get. Present, although, let me add to this, when, when a Greek word is used in the present, that usually means continuous in the present, like happening right now, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. This is a present verb, to be renewed, is present, but it's a passive verb, okay, and it's an imperative, An imperative is a command, do this, pick that up, be this, do this, do that, go there, don't go there, that's an imperative, it's a command. This is a command, it's a present imperative. Be renewed, be renewed, continuous, be renewed. But it's a passive imperative. Now, what's passive? Well, active, an active verb, is a verb that you do. I hit the ball. I hit the ball. Now, or, that's active. Pow, I was hit by the ball. That's passive. So, passive is something that happens to you. Active is something that you do. This is a present passive, imperative. How do you get a commandment that you passively obey? I got you interested in in grammar. This is amazing. (laughs) Here's how. Let me illustrate this for you. Um, My son, Dan, and his buddies used to do paintball, okay, you, you you put you put you put a gun you put a bullet in your thing is full of paint and you shoot at each other. It's fun if you're a guy, it's fun as all get out, okay? And uh, and yet they didn't use any kind of they didn't ever use any kind of protective gear. Okay, because they were just like, they were just like animals, and they, they, you know, they're they're just, they still are, but they they just, and so Dan would come back from, hey, where'd you go, I went paintballing with my buddies, and I said, well, how'd it go, and he'd take off his shirt, and there'd be these red welts all over him, and I said, and you had fun, right? Yeah, yeah, it was great, yeah, you see the other guy, but, um, now, so imagine a dad was taking his kids out to go paintballing, okay, we're going to go paintballing. And, but this time the dad's going to be responsible, and I'm, I'm sure Dan is going to treat Danny Boy different than he treated himself when it comes to paintballing. And, and we're going to wear helmets, and we're going to have some kind of body shield here, and we're still going to shoot each other and blast paint and see who's going. We're going to do it, but listen, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt. Now imagine one of your sons says, "Whoa, no, 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 whoa, whoa," because he hears it, he sees the paint. He says, "No, no, that has to hurt." That. No, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt. And you say, "Listen, let, let, let your brother shoot you, and let's try it. You stand here, let your brother shoot you. Now you got the protective gear, and you stand here, and let your brother. Oh, no, no, it's going to hurt. No, it's gonna, no, it's not going to hurt. Let, let your brother shoot. So what do you do? He obeys the imperative. The imperative is this: Let your brother shoot you. Because once you realize it's not going to hurt, then you're going to play the game. We're going to have fun. Let your brother shoot you. That's a passive imperative. Let this happen to you. And so he does. He pulls up and he says, "Ah!" says, oh, that didn't hurt. He starts blasting his brother. (laughs) But see, the passive imperative, he obeyed a passive imperative. This is a passive imperative. Now, doesn't that change the meaning a little bit? But be renewed... In the spirit of your mind, let something happen to you. Be actively involved in it. you got to stand there, but, but you got to put yourself in the position of it. But let this happen. Who's renewing your mind? God is going to renew your mind. The Holy Spirit is going to renew your mind. But you need to be a part of that process. You need to allow that to happen. Remember that because we're going to get to some other passive imperatives coming up. And so what this is saying, but then look, notice another thing in the verse. It says in the spirit of your mind. It says in the spirit of your mind. The Bible doesn't teach that when you become a Christian, you get a brand new mind, that your brain, your intellectual capacities, your synapses and all that goes on that makes your brain think. That doesn't change. What changes is what animates your mind, the perspective of your mind, that which directs your mind. Have you ever had something said to you, which I actually had two people this week say to me, two different people that said something else to me, they said this. I can't believe I used to think that way. I can't believe that's what I was thinking. You see, their mental capacity is the same, but the spirit, the direction of where their mind is going or how their mind perceives or how their mind takes the facts and then processes it differently, that's what Paul was talking about here. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, how do we do this? God has made you a new person in Christ Jesus and he's given you a new mind in that sense the new spirit of the mind and that's what Jake read now i want you to look at this we're going to we can only do this briefly so i'm going to go pretty fast but i want you to go to 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians is actually one of the most uh, this passage 118 to the end of 2 is an extremely important passage of scripture because it talks about the fact that we as christians have been given the mind of Christ, he's going to say. We've been given the, the mind of the new humanity, the mind of the new man, Paul was saying. You've been given that. It, we have that. And that's why when you became a Christian and as you grow in grace, you started thinking things differently. You started looking at things differently. You started perceiving things differently. And you started, it was almost like you woke up or something and, and you, you now see things differently. You've come alive And that's what Paul is saying. And what's wild is, is that the old man's mind sees the same thing that the new man's mind sees. But they perceive it completely differently because they still have the old mind. And this person has the spirit of their mind has been changed. It's being renewed. Notice this in this text. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing... But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Look at that. They look at the exact same thing, the message of the cross, and these people over here and the old man say, that is absolutely ridiculous. I've never heard something so asinine in my life. That's the spirit of their mind. The new creation over here says, wow. Wow. The power of God unto salvation. Wow. That's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. See it? <laughs> there it is. How, look at how he goes on. Look at what he says in verse, uh, in verse 18. He's, uh, verse 21. For since the wisdom of God, in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom... Did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign, and the Jews seek and the Greeks send uh, seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. God has decided in his infinite wisdom that he's going to save people by something that they think is absolutely ludicrous and foolish. And he says, so we preach the cross, that foolish message, we preach it. And the Jews look at that and they stumble all over it. They said, how could you possibly say that a a crucified Jewish carpenter who claimed to be a rabbi, who, who was blasphemous and who was under the curse of God and died, how could you possibly say he's the Messiah? That is all hogwash. And the Greeks look at that and say, Lo, we have Plato, we have Socrates, we have all of these great thinkers. And you guys come up with a hanging carpenter Jew who's been crucified upon the cross. That is absolutely ludicrous. And this is God's plan. But look at verse 24. But to those who are called Remember Ephesians 4, 1, live out the calling that you were called. Those who are called, those who have been given the new birth, those who have been born again, those who are new creations in Christ, those who have been united with Christ and in union with Christ are the new humanity. Those who have the spirit of their mind renewed, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. I see on the cross the power of God expressed in in the crucifixion. I see on the cross the wisdom of God. And that's and so Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 1 the rest of it he says God chooses chooses the weak to 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 uh, to shame the strong and the wise. And then in chapter 2 Paul says when so this affects how I preach. When I came to do my preaching, I didn't preach in human eloquence and try to wow them with their wisdom and, and do this whole intellectual thing with them. I didn't do that. I preached Christ crucified and I was scared half to death, but that's what I did because I wanted your faith to rest on the power of, of the the Spirit and that. But then notice verse 6, chapter 2, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom. We do speak wisdom. They think we're absolute fools, but we do speak wisdom. Among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. There you go, eschatology. There it is, the old man. There it is. Not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they would known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen. They're blind. Ear has not heard. They're deaf. Nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. They don't get it. But we do. Look at verse 10. By the grace of God, we do. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There is the Holy Spirit. For the spirit searches the things, just the deep things of God. And he talks about how the spirit of God, like a spirit of a man, knows everything about God. And he's revealing that to us. Look at verse 12, "But we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know, there's a renewing of the mind, the things which have been given to us freely of God. These things we also speak, not in wisdom of men, not in words of men's wisdom, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now notice verse 14, extremely important verse. But the natural man, the old man, the man apart from grace, the man just as he is in Adam, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. His mind hasn't been renewed. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned, and that by discernment, that means you examine an issue, you conduct a, a hearing. You, you examine it, and then you come to understand what it means. They can't do that. But he who is spiritual, the new man, and here judges is not a good translation. Discerned, because it's the same word as Yeshua's. Here's a better translation. I'll give it to you. But he who is spiritual discerns all things. In the spirit of his renewed mind, he processes and understands and discerns and comes to grasp and get what God is doing, yet he himself is rightly discerned by no one. Isn't that true? Nobody gets us Christians. For the, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, in that, with that thought, go back to Ephesians 4. We have been given the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. <clears throat> we are the kingdom people. We are the new humanity. We are the new race. We are in union with Christ. We are the body of Christ. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We have been given new hearts. We have been spiritually raised from the dead. This is all Paul's been telling us in the book of Ephesians. We have been spiritually raised from the dead. We are part of this body of believers. We have the new mind, Paul says. We have been renewed in our minds. And what he's telling us now, with a present, passive, imperative, in verse 23, he is saying this. He says, but be renewed, continue to be renewed, continue to put yourself in the realm in which God is renewing the spirit of your mind. This is sanctification. This is sanctification. That this process that began in my salvation, began as I was incorporated into the new humanity, began as I was made a new man. This process which God began, given the mind of Christ, be in the process of being renewed. Passive imperative. Put yourself up there and take, 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 get, get, get the, the paintballs. Here, get the renewing. Keep this process going. Keep the renewing process going. Well, how does that work? How does that work? Well, <clears throat> Number one, don't slow down the process or interrupt it. And that's what Paul means in the verse right above it. Look at what it says right before the verse, verse 23, verse 24, or verse 22. Put off concerning your former conduct the old man. Put that off because that's going to stop you from having the renewing of the mind taking place. Now, this is seen very clearly in Romans chapter 12. Please turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and many of you know where I'm going. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, okay? In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul writes this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, there's the mind, by the way, service. Now, notice what he says in verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Let's stop right there. Do not be conformed to this world. Now, the word, con- kids, you will get this really fast. The word conformed here, how many of you kids have play or have played with play in your life? Played with play Good. Then you're going to get this perfectly. Played with play You're going to get this. Well, uh, let me ask you another question. How many of you have ever seen a Play-Doh mold? It's like a mold that maybe looks like something, and you push the Play-Doh in, and it makes that mold, and then you peel the Play-Doh out, and you you got like a gingerbread man, or you got like a house or something. Did you ever see that? Okay, I'm going to get you some. Okay, Uh, we need to get you some. See those two guys next to you? Tell them. You guys can get me that. Good job. Yeah, you're on. You got a job now, Daniel. Go for it. So anyway... You, you put it in the mold, you press the Play-Doh, it's all big bit lump, you press it in the mold. Let's say the mold is like a gingerbread man. He's got eyes, he's got a mouth, and you press it in the mold, and then that Play-Doh looks just like the gingerbread man. That's the word that's being used here. Do not be pressed into the mold of the world. Now, I want you to notice two other things about this phrase, because you're, you're Bible scholars now and you're, and you're grammar experts. I want you to know there's two things about this. Number one, as a Bible scholar, the word actually here is not world in the original language. It's not cosmos. The world here is ionos, which is age, age. Do not be pressed into the mold of this age, of this age. Or what Paul says in Galatians 1, 4, this present evil age. Who gave himself of our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age? That's the word that's being used here. So, what Paul is saying is this do not, and it's a passive imperative, do not allow yourself to be pressed. Into the, conform, into the mold of this present age. That's another way of Paul saying, put off the old man. Have nothing to do with it. Don't allow yourself to be pressed into the way that it thinks, the way that it processes, the value system that it has, the way that its mind is being used. Do not be conformed to this world. But notice what he says next in verse 2 of chapter 12. But be transformed. Another passive imperative be transformed by god be transformed by god how look at look at the means in verse 2 by the renewing of your mind by the renewing of your mind This renewing of your mind that God does is he renews your mind. He transforms you. You become changed. So, number one, don't be pressed into the world's mold. That's a way of of having the renewing of the mind. The other way of having the renewing of the mind is this transformation that comes, this, this, this thing that comes. How does it work? Well, Paul tells us in this verse. Notice what he says next in this verse. That you may prove... What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? What in the world does that mean? That you may prove. Well, the word here, "proved" is the word dokimazo. And dokimazo is a very important word. It means to approve of something after testing it. And kids, here, I, I, I got your attention. I'm going to keep it here. Kids, uh, one of the things that I love to do Is I love to hike in the woods. I love to hike in the woods. And if I'm gonna take a long hike, maybe I'm backpacking or I'm gonna take a long hike, I always hike to have a stick with me, a walking stick with me. Now, I'm not one of these guys who has a professional walking stick that's all carved and everything, because I lose stuff too fast. So, what I do is every time I go to the woods, when I start walking, I start looking around for a stick. And it has to be just the right kind of stick, it has to be straight. It can't be real big. I'm not going to with a big stick like that. It's got to be nice little thin. It's got to be straight, but it's got to be strong. It's got to be strong, because it's going to help me get up mountains. It's going to help me go through streams. And it's going to help me beat up snakes, OK? So I need it strong. And so what I do is I start looking around for a straight, small, strong stick. I start looking around. And here's what I normally do. I normally grab one, and I pick it up, and I look at it, nice, straight, perfect size, fits me good. I whack it against a tree. It shatters because it's too dry. Unapproved? No, not that one. And I pull another one up, and it's all bendy and weird, and, I, and, I, and it bends. I, no, no, no. And finally, I find that stick. I find that one stick, and it's strong, it's straight, and, it's, and then that stick becomes my companion, and he stays with me, and he's proven. He's proven. I lean upon him. He helps me, and that stick is important. That's the word that's being used here. And what Paul is saying is this. He's saying that God will renew your mind And he will remove it in such a way that you will be able to determine this is good, like I do with the stick. This is good. This is useful. This is right. This is strong. And notice what we do. We approve or we prove what is that good. This is good. That's bad. This is good. That's mediocre. No, no, this is good. And acceptable. That means pleasing to God. This is pleasing to God. That is not pleasing to God. And perfect. This is perfect. This is mature. This is complete. The good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Here's what Paul is saying. He's talking about this process. Do not be pressed into the mold of the world so you start thinking like that. Don't be Play-Doh for the world to play with. But instead, be renewed by the spirit of your mind so that you would be able to know God's will, what God wants, how God would have you to act, how God would have you to think, how God would have you to process this information, how God would have you to respond. And as that is renewing your, and as you're becoming renewed in your mind about that, you're going to be transformed as a person. Let me show you how this works in another passage, other passage of scripture. Please turn with me to first, uh, to Philippians chapter one, to Philippians chapter one. And here you're going to see the process going again. This is the process. This is what it means to be sanctified, to be renewed in the mind, and then to have that transforming or transformative in your life, in your life. So look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9. And notice what Paul says here. He says, In this I pray that your love may grow bound still more and more. That's kind of, you could sort of say that's focusing on the heart. But then notice this, he focuses now on the mind. In knowledge and all discernment. I want you to grow, and I want your love to actually abound and and, and grow in knowledge and discernment. Then look at verse 10. That you may approve, dakimadzo, think walking stick. This is a good one. That's a bad one. No, this is a good one. That you may approve the things that are excellent. Now think about this. Uh, let, me, let me think. Okay, wait, i got all these options. Here, let me think about this. That's bad. That's, uh, that's kind of yucky. A little dark. That's okay. No, that's above average. That's excellent. That's what I want. That's what God would have for me. That's what this verse is saying. That you may be sincere. Oh, by the way, I love this word. This word means to examine something by the light of day. Do you ever ever be in a dark garage and say, What's this saying here? Where does this part What does this screw fit here? Hey, let's take it out in the sun here and look. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, look at this. That's what this word means. That in the light of day, you appear to be the real deal through and through, that you might be sincere. And without offense in the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory of God. So there's the process. There it is right there. It's the renewing of the mind. Transforming you. By the way, notice this. This is a prayer. Prayer is a part of this. Paul's praying that this would happen. Look at the next, chapter, uh, the next book, Colossians. Look at Colossians. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. Same thing happening. A prayer, by the way. I preached through Colossians years ago. This prayer has been indelibly impressed upon my mind, and I literally pray this prayer almost daily, and I pray it for you. I pray it for you. And part of my role and our role as elders is to pray for this church. And this is the prayer I usually pray through as I pray for you. I, I pray that God would help all of us and you individually if I'm praying for you individually. And this is the prayer. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. There's the mind. Being filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And that's the same word of discernment that is used in 1 Corinthians. So you're filled, your mind is being renewed. God is doing it. You're not filling your head with knowledge. God is doing it. He's doing it. Now, you've done something to make it happen, and we're going to talk about that. That you may be walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So God gives you knowledge. You 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 bear. Free. You know His will. You start to live out His will, work out His will in your life in every area of your life. You start doing it in every area of your life, not just in one area of your life. You start fully growing, and as you do, it's like a snow. It's like making a snowman. You start a little snowball, and then as you keep rolling, it keeps going right. Then you keep growing in the knowledge of God, and you keep maturing, and you keep being transformed, and you keep growing in the uh, in into being the new man, into what you are called to be, what you actually are. And this is the process of being renewed in the mind. So let's try to apply this to ourselves and pull this all together. Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13, he is telling them, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Passive imperative. You do this. Put yourself in the position... Put yourself in the place. Experience God in such a way that he is renewing your mind, showing you his will. You're growing in discernment and knowledge, and you're applying that to your life. Do that. Put off the old man. Don't be conformed. Put on the new. So how does this work? It works by exposing yourself, as it were, to the things that God will have you to do and to be. Remember the passive imperative. Okay, just stand there. Let him shoot you because this protective, it's not going to hurt. Let him shoot you. Let him shoot you. That's passive, but you obey. Okay, go ahead. Take your shot. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take your shot. That's passive. This is what, okay, God, renew my mind. Renew my mind. Here it is. Renew my mind. God, please work and move. Renew my mind. And then God says, okay, here's what we do. Number one, number one, don't be conformed to this world. Number two, number two, put on the new man. And what does that mean? That means this. First, and, and let me give you some things that, 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 work, that, that work this renewal. The act, first one is this, the active work of the Holy Spirit. The active work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. Just jumping ahead a little bit, but look at verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed in the day of redemption. Don't, don't, as, as soon as you walk over here and start being conformed to, to the old man, you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. But look at verse 15. 5.15. Where's Scott? Is this? I think this is the passage he's going to preach on, so I'm going to go tread lightly here. Uh, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand, there's the mind, what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with with the spirit, another passive imperative, by the way, but be filled with the spirit. Spirit of the living God, come. Spirit of the living God, fill me. Spirit of the living God, lead me. Spirit of the living God, work in my life, please. Father, you said that as a good father, you're not going to give me a stone. You're not going to give me a scorpion. You're going to give me the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Give your Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit, lead me, guide me, show me, renew my mind, make me to be what you would have me to be. Second thing, So the active work of the Holy Spirit. Second, prayer. Prayer. Paul has already been praying. But prayer. When you're in prayer, when you're talking with God, when you're interacting with God, when you're meeting with God, when you're not looking at the old man, when you're not looking at the old uh, fallen Adamic race, and you're looking at the true and living God, you're going to be transformed. You're going to be changed. Your thinking is going to be changed. And then thirdly, be taught that being taught that Paul's already given it to us in chapter four. Notice what he says. He says, uh, "Being taught, look at verse twenty-one. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, expose yourself to biblical truth. That's your doing. You're doing a great job of that right now because you're sitting under biblical truth. The word is being preached. Read your Bible. Meditate on your Bible. Take Bibles. Go to Bible studies." Kids, be steady coming to church. Uh, 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 you know, listen to preaching on podcasts if you have to, whatever, whatever. Expose yourself to the word and your mind will start to be renewed. And this process of renewing and transformation will take place. And then, of course, put off the old man and put on the new. And so it's a transformation. It's a transformation that takes place. I don't have time. I, I, I have a whole nother page of notes here. So I'm just going just to give you the highlights. But you just think about it. How does this work? Let me give you some examples. Number one. I, well, I'm standing over here in the old man right now anyway, so here we go. The old man's thinking, if I let myself be Plato and be pressed into its mold, the old man's thinking is this. Yourself is the most important being in the entire universe. Yourself is the center of the universe. Everything else revolves around you. You're like the sun yourself is the most important thing. Yourself is everything. Your self fulfillment, your self identity, your self pride, your self fulfillment, that is everything. That is you. That is who you are. That is what you should be. And you should be thinking of everybody else and you and, and we do. We become we so embody this that we think of everybody else in terms of how they relate to us. How they are they friendly or are they foe. Will they help me or will they not? Many people go into marriage like this right now. I want to be happy. I need a husband. I need a wife to make me happy. It looks like you will do the job. Okay, let's get married. Oh, you're making me happy. Oh, you like me. Oh, you worship me. Oh, we do everything my way. Oh, you've got lots of money. Oh, you're fun. Oh, you're good looking. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're that. Until they're not. Oh, you're not helping me. You're You're not even good looking anymore. Where's all your money? And you're not worshiping me. And you're making demands on me. That ain't right. Divorce. That's the way we are, and then God transforms us and gives us a new mind, and we start to realize, I'm not the center of the universe. In fact, I'm a rotten sinner. I deserve hell, but by grace, he loves me, and he gave me a new heart, and Jesus is the center of the world, and he loves me, and I'm united with him. This is great. This is wonderful. So let me ask you this. How do these two people go into a room of people? Well, the person who's been conformed into this age goes into a room one of two ways. They either go in, the self-centered person. They either go into the room selfish with pride. I'm gonna impress them. They're gonna be impressed by me. If they don't become impressed by me, I'm going to be mad at them. I'm going to reject them. I'm great. My opinion is important. You all listen to me. This is all about me. It's all about me. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to talk about me, 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 me. There's another way, though, that you can do it. If you're so twisted, some people are just so twisted and hurt by sin, that they actually go in insecure. You say, oh, Todd, Let's that, not make fun of insecure people. That's a pathology. That's not good. Listen, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm telling you the truth though here. The insecure person walks in with the same preoccupation with self. Will they like me? Will they reach out to me? Will anybody even know I'm in this room? Will anybody become friends with me? Will anybody affirm me? Will anybody acknowledge me? <sighs> I'm having a panic attack. Will they, will they, will they? Now this is real, I'm not making fun of anybody. This is real. But I want you to see something. These. Two are ugly stepsisters. Pride and what we call insecurity for many people is also pride. Did you ever notice one thing that held together all of those concerns that the insecure person has? Me, 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 me. But when the Holy Spirit liberates you from this, And your mind is being transformed. And you are no longer the center of the universe. But Jesus is. And his great love for you and self-giving and self-sacrifice has meant so much to you that it changes you. It changes you. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5.15 when he said this. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and who rose again. This person goes into a room full of people and says, you know what, this isn't about me. Who are these people? Who can I love? Who can I reach out to? Who's lonely here? Who has some need? Who can I help? Who can I tell about Jesus? Tell them about Jesus. That's being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me do another one real quick here for you. And, and here, I, I'm going to speak primarily to men because I'm a man and I know this, this experience. from them. Women, please, you, 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 you apply this to yourself. I, I'm not a woman. I, I, I can't. This is where I'm But I'm going to tell you this one. How the renewal of the mind changes how we should interact with the opposite sex. I want to tell you something over here. In the old man, in the old Adam... Here's what it is. In the old man and the old Adam, what, is, what you have been trained and programmed to do with the opposite sex man is she's a sex object. She's a sex object. She is an accumulation of these really sensuous parts, and that is what is important about her, and that's what I'm... And we've been taught this. We've been taught this by advertising. We've been taught this by movies. We've been taught this by everything else that we're supposed to look, we're supposed to look, we're supposed to think. And so we, the mind becomes play-doh and it gets pushed in this ugly mold that sees women as a sex object it sees them as and so men get turned on by every woman by what but they look at every woman they 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 treat every woman in that way and that becomes the dynamic of it and so women and women despair of this and they rightly ought to Although women, I, I I have a feeling that that fashion and things like that has has, has, has also made your despairing to be a little bit hypocrisy. Because if I can see the top of your breast, if I can see the top of your breast, don't tell me to look at your face and treat you like a person. Don't tell me that. If I can see the whole form of your body and and, and every time you move, I see things and that stimulates. Don't, don't 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 talk to me about. And so we need, to, we need to, this is a two-sided thing. Nevertheless, I'm talking to men right here now. Men, that is, that is hellish, devilish, fallen, and the wrath of God is coming for a society of people that treat women like sexual objects and not like people. But when God transforms your mind and gives you a new mind, and young men, listen to me, please, because I went through this as God gave me a new mind, and, and that. I started realizing, first of all, the Holy Spirit began to convict me. You young man should not be looking at other women like this. And then you begin to, your mind actually begins to think. You actually begin to to process things with the new mind. And you start to realize. I I remember when it it realized for me, 99.999999999 of all the women that I am going to meet in my life, I am not going to marry and are not to be, A sexual object for me. There's only one out there. Just before I met you, There's only one out there. Now that I actually know her, guess what, men? 100% of all the other women in my life, there's to be no interaction, no thought of what this is over here. None. Jesus said, don't even look. That's adultery in your heart. But you know what happens when that transformation starts to take place? You actually start to appreciate women. You appreciate their minds. You appreciate their souls. You appreciate their opinions. You value them as people. You enjoy them as sisters in Christ and friends. And they feel safe around you. And and the dynamic has changed in such a way that you start to see every older woman as your mother. You start to see every woman your age as your sister. You see them as your sister. There's none of this weirdness that comes out of the old man. And you see all these younger women, all these younger girls, and I'm sorry, I call them girls. I am so sexist, it's terrible, but I, I, I call them girls. I call them all, these, all these younger girls who are having babies here now. They, they, you know, I knew you when you were like this. You see them as your daughters. And you know what happens when you see every woman as either your mother or your sister or your daughter? Do you know what you feel? You feel a concern for them. You feel protective of them. You feel like you're going to take care of them. You're concerned about their well-being. And that's what Jesus wants the new humanity to be. And dear ones, that's what Jesus was. I'll just throw out a couple more. When your mind is renewed, when your mind is renewed, you see God everywhere. These people over here, oh, there's no God. Oh, try to prove to me that there's a God. There is no God. I hate your God stuff. If if God would have this happen, I'm not going to worship and serve that God. I'm like, dude, you better calm down because you're going to stand before him one day. But when your mind gets transformed and you're over here and you've been taking in the word and the Holy Spirit's been at work, you see God everywhere. You see a tree lit up by the sunlight, and you say, oh, God, praise you. You see the stars and I, God, you're so great. You're so good. You see the little birds eating. You say, God, you're so, you're here. You're everywhere. You're moving. You're at work. You see God in power. You see God in might. And you become happy, and you become joyful, and you feel safe, and you feel glorious. It's just glorious. And you take your cares, and you cast them upon them. Why? Because he's God, and your mind is being transformed, and you're living. And that's why Jesus said, Stop worrying. You have a heavenly father, and you start to experience that. And you become sensitive to the needs of others. Dear ones, this is the process of sanctification. Let your minds be renewed. Oh, God, just pray to God. God, make this process happen. Renew my mind. Read your Bibles. Think about it. And what God is doing, he's recreating a people in his image. God wants us to be holy. God is making a people who will be upright, Fair, loving, pure, kind, merciful, truth telling, who will defend the needy and the weak, who will stand up for righteousness, who are caring, who edify new people. Question What kingdom are you in? Are you in the old, or are you in the new? Are you here or are you here? Let me ask you this question. If you were to die right now, right now, do you know you would go to heaven? You know you would go to heaven. You're you're not excited about dying. You're a little nervous. I get that. But do you know you would go to heaven? Do you know you have eternal life? Do you know that you are a child of God? Do you know that your future is good? If you don't, if you don't, please, please flee from this world. Flee from the wrath to come. Flee to the kingdom. Press into the kingdom. Come to Jesus Christ. He's got his arms open. Come to him. Come, and he'll renew your mind, renew your heart, renew your soul, give you grace. Oh, come to him, my praise. Come to him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are making a new humanity, a new people, and we're so thankful that you have adopted us and brought us into your kingdom. Thank you that you transferred out of this world and you transferred out of this age into your new kingdom. And Father, help us, we pray. We still very much live in this kingdom. Oh, until Jesus comes, it's gonna be a mixture. Father, help us to put off the old man. Help us not to be molded into their mold. Help us with a remote in our hand to put off the old man and put on the new. Help us with a computer screen in front of us or a telephone in front of us to scroll to the new man and to scroll away from the old. Help us in our minds to put off the old and put on the new. Help us to get into our Word, into your word. Help us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Renew our minds. Here we are. We make ourselves available. We expose ourselves to your powerful work. Change us, transform us, sanctify us, make us a holy people that you would be glorified and honored. And for those who are lost here, please save them. Bring them into the kingdom of light. Deliver them, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.